You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to episode 345 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, April the 17th, pretty deep into the night here. And I'm joined, as usual, when I'm deep into the night, Scott Coleman is here. Hello, sir. Hey, Brad. Happy Easter to you and everyone out there. Hope everyone uh, had a nice weekend and uh, a full week of baseball, a lot of stuff to talk about. Maybe not the best week or what we were hoping for on a results basis, but nonetheless, a lot of really good storylines and uh, some encouraging news for the future as well. Yeah, obviously kind of a middling week. I think the headline that I've chosen for this podcast before I start recording it is uh, three wins, four losses, and a rehab assignment, which kind of tells you everything you need to know. The Braves went three and four this week. We'll touch on some of that stuff in the results. And we'll sort of lead off with the rehab assignment, which is probably the best news of all. Uh, Ronald Acuna is getting closer. But before we dive into that, I should stop at the top and just say, uh, welcome to the podcast and also to the podcast network. If you are a new listener, this is not the only show that we have on this podcast network. Uh, this is the flagship episode. Uh, we have 345 of these already recorded, a lot of which have myself or Scott or Eric Cole on them. But also we have Sean Coleman on the Daily Hammer and the Road to Atlanta podcast on the minor league side. So it's busy six, seven shows per week right now. We are rolling through the content. So please subscribe. And uh, with that out of the way, Ronald Acuna, Rehab assignment scheduled to begin very soon. In fact, the uh, the timeline is now set. So earlier in the week, Justin just Toscano of the AJC reported the Braves are using sort of a loose target date for Ronnie to uh, sort of, re, I guess, debut for the season on May 6th in Atlanta. It's a very loose date. He's been in Florida playing sim games. But then today, on Sunday, the AJC also reported that he's going to be starting his rehab assignment on Tuesday, as in two days from now, in Gwinnett, with the plan to build him up kind of slowly, especially when playing defense until you can kind of safely play defense for full games. And uh, it also came from, I think from the team side, no, uh, not, not for sure, but I'm just kind of guessing on this one, but there's reporting that he will not be playing outfield full time when he, re- when he re- returns, probably going to go slow, play some DH, but also be willing and able to play in the outfield. Uh, we're purposely starting with this even beyond games because Ronald Acuna is that good. And also because as I think you'll probably talk about in a second, uh, he just kind of fixes most things <laughs> with the Braves team. So, uh, Scott, how excited are you that Ronald Acuna is another step closer, even though it might be a few weeks until he plays, actually? Yeah, can we bring Ronald back tomorrow? Like, is he enough of a cyborg? Um, Yeah, I mean, if when I look at this team, and we're talking about, what, 11 games so far, but and it's not fair to put all this pressure on Ronald, but, man, his return fixes so many of the problems the Braves have in this early going. They're five and six, and if I were to ask you, what are some of their biggest challenges right now? The two that immediately come to me are this. 
outfield defense is probably number one because defensively it has been atrocious out there. And I think that was one area that was a legitimate concern coming into the year. Uh, You put Ronald out there, even if he is not able to go 100 miles an hour right out of the gate, I'm sure they'll tell him to be careful coming off the ACL. Uh, But nonetheless, him out there, he just changes everything, I think, defensively. Um, And then when you look at the lineup, the back end of the lineup, which we'll discuss a little bit later, uh, you put Ron Lacuna Jr. in that lineup and and in place of someone like a Dickerson who is not hitting or a Rosario who isn't hitting, especially against lefties. uh, The lineup just looks so much better with Ronald at the top, especially the way guys like Olsen and Riley and Ozuna are hitting. You talk about getting Ronald on base ahead of those guys. It just, it's just going to fix everything. Everyone slots down a rung. Um, again, I think it, it makes all the sense in the world to, to slow play Ronald and make sure he is 1000% ready to go. Uh, you certainly cannot afford another injury to him in any, any way, shape or form. Um, but I obviously very excited to have Ronald back and for him to be in Gwinnett, I think is a good sign. Uh, just right down the road, I'm sure the Braves will have multiple, multiple members of the organization there checking on him, making sure everything is going well. Uh, but big news, and, and I think about as good of a timeline as you can hope for, uh, given really he didn't have surgery until like the third week of July last year. So it really is a pretty quick recovery. Yeah, he seems to be on track. I know there's this notion I've seen it on Twitter other places that like, you know, not not why can't he play now, but every video that is seen of him he looks incredible <laughs> so it's like i understand that uh impulse i think he probably could play baseball right now and play well uh, it's just that, that it would not be very smart if you are of a team side and you're trying to be uh, mindful of his future and of course he's signed long term and all that stuff but certainly he would help most things and uh let's just say he's the only guy in the organization where i, I would lead this podcast in mid-april with his rehab assignment <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's fair the other thing too i'll point on just on the timeline and could he play technically yes but you have to remember too. Yes, home runs in a, a simulated game on the backfields down at the spring training site are one thing. Uh, facing live pitching is obviously a, a very different ball game, and scouting reports and uh, sequencing and stuff like that. So there's going to be some rust for Ronald. Naturally, as, as good of a player as he is, uh, he will need, I think, some real time just to see live pitching and um, kind of get the juices flowing again. For sure. Um... Obviously, that's the that's the headline uh, non on field thing from the week. There was other uh, there were some other moves on the margins, like for one thing, and we'll we'll spend a little time on this. But William Contreras kind of came and went very quietly, and it was kind of weird. And we talked. I know you guys talked about it last week. I was not here, so thank you again to Scott and Eric for carrying the torch last week. But uh, it was just kind of odd that he was on the team if he if he wasn't going to be DHing, and he didn't DH. Um, at least not normally. And he was sent down on Tuesday morning. Um, one of the theories as to why he might've been up courtesy of Grant McCauley, our, our own Grant McCauley, um, was that he maybe was insurance for Manny Pena who had some wrist, wrist issues. Once it became clear that he was going to be fine. Um, he was sent down, but I thought it was kind of weird and almost nonsensical to have Contreras up with the big league club. If he wasn't going to DH, at least in the current form, I will try my best to save my Orlando RC a DH rant for another time, but it might just seep out, Scott. My apologies on that. The people, yeah, the people want it. 
no, I think I'm going to hold off as much <laughs> as I possibly can. But uh, other yeah. than that, like Contreras is, came and went. Also, they chose to DFA Jacob Webb, which was a mild surprise. Uh, Sean Newcomb is still on this team for one. Um, and they added uh, just for another arm, they added Jackson Stevens to the mix. Anything strike you out of that stuff uh, uh, as I try to fight myself on our, on our CRNs? No, I mean, nothing shocking. Uh, I think. Uh, I think Grant is probably onto something with having Contreras on the roster with, with Manny Pena's wrist not being 100%, although Manny looked really good over the weekend, so it seems like that's behind him. They also just uh, went so far out of their way to like really promote the Contreras utility guy thing. Like It really was getting out there for like a week straight. Like, oh, Contreras is going to play third base and corner outfield, and he'll get his bat in the lineup, yeah. and then he didn't play, which is <laughs> weird. Yeah, there might be some... Um, I don't know the right word appeasing of a player in that scenario, right? Obviously we saw William last year and the Braves could have very easily made him their backup catcher this year. And they opted to sign Manny Pena. So that's, that's of course conjecture on my part, but I think they wanted to be uh, as they should. And and as we all talked about on the preview podcast from a couple of weeks ago, uh, William is going to play a big role on this team. I think it's, it's a pretty safe bet that uh, I would be surprised if both Travis and Manny being catchers on the wrong side of 30, make it through a full 162 without a couple of dings and dents. Uh, they're going to need William because he is very clearly the best backup option in the organization behind those two, especially with Langoliers getting moved uh, to Oakland. Um, but Hey, it's an opportunity for him to play every single day, which I think, uh, going into the season is what I preferred. And I think a lot of people wanted him to do to continue developing offensively and behind the plate as well. Um, and then, yeah, man, I don't know, Sean Newcomb, he, uh, <laughs> his, he, he must have some kind of really, really good connection with the front office because I swear, like we, we've joked for years, like it's going to be the year 2028 and he's still going to be struggling to throw strikes for the Atlanta Braves and we were joking at the time, but I'm, I'm like almost wondering if he's going to be a, like a lifelong member of the, of the organization. I don't know. Maybe he gets trimmed down in in two weeks when the rosters go back to 26, but man, he, uh, he has a good, I don't know. I don't really know how he survived all this time, but here he is. Yeah, I, I could actually, and I won't do it just for the sake of time and effort. Uh, I did kind of briefly look around at his reliever splits uh, to see if I can find something in there. It was not actually as bad as you might think. I think his reliever, his relief only numbers are not that bad um, for his career, but there have obviously been some rough moments along the way. And uh, not that I was too wedded to Jacob Webb, it just was an interesting decision they had to make and uh, they made that decision. So there you go. Um, we'll dive into the results now, I guess, from this week. Of course, they, had, they played these two series, uh, the first of which they lost to the Nats. Uh, not what you want because the Nats are not very good, at least on paper. And then, of course, they split with the Padres over the weekend, including tonight's Sunday Night Baseball, National National TV, kind of a close-fought pitcher's duel loss. Um, one thing I will say at the top is, like, they had some blowouts in any direction. They had two very bad blowout losses and also a very lopsided blowout win within four days. They lost 11-2 on Monday, won 16-4 on Tuesday, and then lost 12-1 on Thursday in a game that was uh, fairly hideous to consume. Uh, I don't know what that means. Like, I, I know right now the Braves are underwater, both in their record, their 5-6, and six, and also their run differential. It's too early to care about any of that, even for someone who cares about, about, about that kind of stuff. But it is a little bit weird. They just kind of, uh, I don't know, they had a bunch of lopsided results in a short period of time. Yeah, there's been some odd games this Very. first week and a half. Yeah, like... And maybe again, it's, it's so early and there was no real spring training. So I'm sure these guys are continuing to 
shake off the rust and, and to get in their flows. But you're right. I mean, uh, for a team that in recent years, especially has had a really, really good run differential. They've, they've pretty rarely been like completely blown away. And then you talk about a blowout loss to the nationals who are just not a good team. Um, and then, and then the Padres who I think we saw are a solid team. I think once they get Tatis back in a couple of months, we'll know how good they are long-term. Um, but yeah, just some, there's been some odd games. There's, there's some bad luck going on too. I wanted to at least point on that and look, it's not an excuse, right? Like any team could probably point to their first 11 games and go, Oh, we should be this record and X, Y, and Z. But um, the Braves as of, I don't believe I've seen it updated for today, uh, but going into yesterday, Buster only had a note that the Braves lead baseball in hard hit percentage, which makes sense. They have a lot of really good hitters in their lineup, but if I told you two weeks ago the Braves were going to be number one in hard hit percentage, you would think they're scoring a whole lot more runs than they have been. Um, they, they've just been on the wrong side of some unfortunate uh, offensively. And then, you know, against on the mound too, it feels like every night opposing teams are just hitting a couple of bloops. Uh, like despite the Padres going two and two, um, they really didn't crush the ball off the pitching staff, which I think is encouraging. The Braves are not giving up a lot of hard contact it's probably just one of those things, man. It's, it's early in the year and let's hope that kind of the flukiness goes away sooner than later. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And, you know, obviously it's worth just saying out loud that uh, we're paying attention to the Braves closely and kind of feeling every uh, one of those push and pull kind of things. And it almost feels worse than it actually is, but I certainly, if you look at the stats, like the Braves have been unlucky this year, full stop with, uh, with, with their offense in particular, like even, even with kind of the mess that it's been, I believe, yeah, as of right now with the live stats from tonight, they still have a 101 WRC plus as a team. So they're slightly above average offensively, even with some really bad luck. I think this is a team that I simply just don't worry about the offense. I know it's not been great at times this year, um, but I, you know, number one, it's early to mid-April. And number two, there's just not a lot of stuff that I am worried about. We'll get into the bottom of the order and how bad it's been. But the talent level is still such where I just I have very little concern about the offense as a whole. And part of that is what you said, like they hit the ball hard. Part of that's just looking at the roster and who's available. Part of that's Ronald coming back, Matt Olson being superhuman so far, all that stuff. Like I it's it's 11 games. They haven't been fantastic, but I just that's that's the part of the team that I just have no concern about whatsoever. Let's say let's say massive injuries, which, of course, anybody could have knock on wood, but uh, they're going to hit. I have pretty pretty good faith. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, we're, we're again, we're a week and a half in here. If the Braves went five and six over the second and third weeks of June, sure, we might note, yeah, they didn't, they're not playing super well right now, but are we going to go, you know, do a deep dive on, oh, what's wrong with the team? They went five and six over the middle of June. No, of, of course not. Naturally, anytime you go into a new season, everything gets magnified a little bit, but uh, I am I am not concerned about this team in the least so far. I think they've probably been as advertised. And when you look at them being five and six, Max Freed really has not hit his groove yet. Uh, he was someone who started out slowly last year as well, and then just really settled in. Um, you know, Ian Anderson is one for two in good starts. He was terrible in his first one. Uh, the bullpen had that kind of one uncharacteristic blow up against Cincinnati. So I'm I'm. Uh, in unison with you completely that am I concerned? No, there's some things that haven't been great, but ultimately I, I, I think most people realize this is just a really good solid roster and they're just, they've been a little slow out of the gate. 
That sounds about right. Um, I'm going to ask you about some individual guys, whether it be Enoa, Bryce Elder, who debuted, Spencer Schreider, et cetera. Before we get to all of that, though, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Scott, there are some pitching questions. It's not even the right way to frame it, but certainly some guys to discuss here. I'm generally, unless somebody goes crazy early on in one direction or the other, like the main key guys, I don't want to talk about too much, like your freeds, your, you know, guys who I, we just trust to be pretty good. Um, but Enoa made his first and only start so far on Monday. He looked pretty bad to me. Gave up nine base runners in three innings, five earned runs. Um, I've never been the biggest fan, but uh, that was certainly not an encouraging performance. Uh, and then twice in the last week, they brought in Spencer Strider to basically throw starting level uh, pitches and in innings, but out of the bullpen. He did it in relief of, of Enola on Monday, and he did it tonight in relief of Bryce Elder on Sunday to where he basically just closed the game. Um, and two of those, at least in one of those eyes tonight. Um, they also they also used Tucker Davidson on Monday in relief, and it was kind of framed like they had to use him, which I don't know if I agree with that, but they had to use him in their minds. And that took him off the board. I actually had to send him back down to pay the way for Elder. But I guess we'll start with Enoa. Like, do you, I mean, it's one start. I don't want to make too much out of it, but it certainly did not um, uh, appease my doubts. And I think there's probably a little bit of pressure on Enoa on Monday because he's gonna be, he pitches Monday against the Dodgers. Tough spot, obviously, for anybody on the road against the Dodgers. But um, is it possible that he gets Wally pipped if he's bad again? Because I think it might be uh, what I would do if he's not good again on Monday. Yeah, I mean, again, pitching against the Dodgers in, in Los Angeles is probably the toughest pitching assignment anyone's going to draw. And yes. thankfully after Enoa, you have freed and Morton set to go games two and three of the series. So um, there, there's some security in that. We'll see. I, I don't think you want to overreact here to, especially tomorrow night. Like if he gets beat around by the Dodgers, I'm, I'm not going to lose sleep. I don't think, I don't think you will either. No. Um, but if, if we get into, I would assume he will get a third third start unless he just like can't make it out of the first inning tomorrow or something like that. Or I should say Monday, depending on when you're listening to this. 
Um, I, I'm, I'm not super high on, on Enoa either. Um, so far, the fifth starters have been okay. Uh, you know, Bryce, Bryce Elder, who we'll talk about a little more, had a nice debut and then really just did not have very much command. And he's a guy who no, he, um, he was bad. He was bad tonight. I thought like, he actually, to, like yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> if he's not throwing, this applies to every pitcher in baseball, but especially someone like elder who does not have plus plus stuff to get out of jams. If he's not throwing strikes, he he's not going to be a successful big leaguer. Like Agreed. we've seen Ian Anderson with that nasty change up and breaking stuff. He has, I mean, in the playoffs, notoriously for, for Ian, there'll be starts where he'll throw 80 pitches and only throw 38 strikes, but he, he doesn't give up any runs over five innings and strikes out seven batters because no one can, can see his, his pitches coming, right? Like no one's making contact. Um, Bryce has to throw strikes. Bryce Elder, uh, Waskar needs to throw strikes too. He was not hitting the zone against a pretty bad nationals lineup. Um, and then we talked about Tucker Davidson who, you know, he, he was not sharp. He ultimately got sent down to Gwinnett the next day. Although, I would argue coming out of the bullpen in a game that's nine to two is, yeah. is not an easy, uh, not an easy assignment, but nonetheless, we knew there, this was one of the big questions about this team so far. It looks like the number four spot is locked in. Here we go. Uh, I'll talk about my, my best friend, Kyle, Wright, My moon and my stars. Uh, but then uh, the fifth spot is clearly going to be one. I think it's going to be a little bit of a carousel this year. Yeah. They're using six now, which makes some sense given uh, all of the factors and the, the the delayed spring training and all that stuff. I, I do think that they're going to probably end up going with one guy pretty soon, whether it be, you or maybe it's elder, maybe it's Strider um, who has looked very good. Um, Strider's thrown nine innings out of the bullpen and has allowed one run. I believe he only has, yeah, it's 11 strikeouts. Let's, let's have six walks, which is maybe a concern. Um, and it's different throwing out of the bullpen, but he's thrown kind of deep innings out of the bullpen. I, I think it's not even controversial to say he has the best stuff. It's not even particularly close. Um, We'll see if they go to him in that role. And I'll talk about Strider again. Um, I think I certainly would be looking for the upside if it was me and I would want to get Strider a starter or two in the near future, but we'll see if they want to do that. I will say there was this uh, discussion that I thought was interesting enough about whether you would rather have elder start and keep Strider in this role. And I think um, both things are true in my mind. Like if you have to have one guy do a relief role that Strider has been in, Strider would be better at that because he does throw hard and his stuff plays up in the bullpen. But I'd also say if you wanted to start a game, I'd start Strider as well. So it's like, which one do you want of those? Like, which, which do you prefer? Elder, like, it's not a non-prospect. He's, he's a top 10 guy for our battery power prospect guys. He had a, he had a good season last year across three, three different levels. So like, he's young, he's 22, but uh, like you said, he's got to hit spots and he was, he was pretty bad and wayward in this game on Sunday. And I, I just think that Strider has a lot more margin for error because he's throwing a hundred. That's just kind of, <laughs> kind of what it yeah. is. He's got good he stuff. Um, and and internally they might like, it, it'll be fascinating to see what they do with Strider. And Eric and I talked about him quite a bit on the podcast last week, but clearly what they have right now is him as a multi-inning bullpen weapon. They might value that more than a fifth starter. At this point, should they? I, I don't know. It's it's a good question to ask, right? Well, because... and they're all and they're also using him not really as a weapon though. Like they're using him kind of okay. Maybe tonight tonight was different. So tonight maybe they, maybe he actually was used as a weapon. The first outing, it was kind of mop up duty. Like he pitched a long time in that relief of appearance of Enoa, but like maybe tonight's role actually has some real value throwing yeah. whatever, whatever it was three plus innings. So like my my fear would be not to cut you off would be like just like 
you don't want to have him throwing garbage time innings. That's Agreed. not the same thing. Like that, that's, that's Josh Tomlin's role. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So, um, right. Like if someone's going to throw innings in a, in a 15 to one game, that's Sean Newcomb time for me. Like if he's going to be on this, this team, you know, honestly, if, if it's ever within five runs, I don't want Sean Newcomb pitching. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I hate Sean. to say it. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I think uh, after five years now, we know who he is. Um, yeah, it, it is. To me, it's a fascinating debate. I'm sure that Brian Snitker loves that going into the Dodgers series and especially with Enoa on the mound tomorrow night, uh, he did not have to burn his bullpen at all, which is, uh, a real boost considering that Bryce Elder walked five batters. And I mean, he only gave up two runs, but he was fortunate that it wasn't like seven nothing after a couple innings there. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to save the bullpen is something that, that big league managers absolutely enjoy. Is that Spencer Strider's role? Should it be? I, I don't know. Is it, is it better as a starter? I think, as you just said, if I had to win one game tomorrow, I would take Spencer Strider over Enoa. I would take him over, um, I think I would take him over elder. I would take him over any, really any of these other kind of fifth starters right now. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see if, if they ultimately give Spencer a chance to maybe make a start next weekend against the Marlins. That's a good team to break him in against. I think after that, they play the Cubs and then the Rangers, two more lineups that are not very good. Um, so if you're looking for opportunities to, to make him successful, I would much rather have him, make a couple of starts against bad lineups, then just kind of throw them out to the wolves in his first appearance against a really good team. Yeah. I don't think that starting him against the Dodgers would have been uh, great. And that's not going to happen now that he threw as long as he, as he did today. So no worries there, but I want to still touch on that stuff and uh, we'll see if what they decide in the next week. And there's no huge rush. I think uh, because of Kyle Wright's start strong start, that spot is kind of sealed up for a while, if nothing else. So we'll see. Um, Elsewhere in the middle of the week, nothing really else to hit on other than like they obviously had the blowout went on Tuesday. They had a pretty quiet, harmless, but also kind of mystifying loss on Wednesday on getaway afternoon, kind of an early game. I do have one question and I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to do the RCA thing, but uh, aside from the RCA DH catastrophe, uh, what did you actually make of this has happened more than once now? It seems like Snit has chosen or is choosing actively to use heredia in right field instead of center field um and having duvall play center like does he think duvall is better than heredia or does he value right field defense more than right it's just kind of a little thing that doesn't matter all that much but it's happened i think at least twice maybe three times now where like even for defense they've gone to heredia and right which is just an interesting thing that's happened yeah i would guess that they just want adam to continue seeing the ball from center field Maybe like yeah. if if they're not going to have if you kind of read between the lines with Acuna, yeah, he's going to play defense at some point, but I don't think it's going to be center field at least. He, until, he doesn't he doesn't want it to be that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and and frankly, I would rather him not have to patrol both corners. Um, I I would stick him in right field and forget about it whenever he is in the lineup versus uh, not DHing. I mean, sure, could Ronald play center in in a couple of months whenever Adam needs a day off or. God forbid gets hurt. Sure. Um, but yeah, if, if I had to guess it would be, they want Adam to continue seeing the ball coming at him from center field instead of having to move him all over the field and, you know, just the way the ball tails away and, and everything like that. That's sort of the argument that I think would make the most sense. I'm not sure if they've made it and maybe he said that and I just didn't hear it, but I just thought it was curious. Not even like, I'm not mad about it. I just think it was interesting because traditionally I think everyone, if, 
everyone agrees, I think, that Heredia is the best outfit on the team right now defensively. And uh, usually that guy would be playing center field and he just hasn't been, which is okay. Um, they did finally, if they were going to play Arcia, which is, again, a big if, they finally put him in left uh, once this week uh, and had Ozuna DH, which at least that was um, some salvation for me, Scott, because I was losing my mind. Yeah, Marcel uh, Marcel can't throw. Watching no, him I mean, try to... No, I know. It's so Other bad. than the DH <laughs> thing aside, I mean, it's it's if there was any question coming into the year that when Ronald returns, who is the DH? Um, it's one thousand percent confirmed now that Marcel. Well, you would you would think and hope for sure. Uh, I, I do want to just point out that he had that Snicker has at least three times, I believe, maybe at least twice, no, three times, has chosen willingly to play Ozuna in left field with Orlando Garcia DH. That has happened multiple times this season. I don't understand that at all. You could say with when Dickerson DHs, they actually think apparently that Dickerson is worse than Ozuna in the corner. They've kind of said that multiple times now through various channels. That might be true. I don't know enough still about Dickerson's defense to know if that's accurate. If that's accurate, but they, they seem to believe that. Um, but I, I hope, and this is something, honestly, I, I think that it's fair to say Ozuna may not be, in fact, probably isn't as bad if you don't take into account his arm. Like his his actual glove is not absolutely horrific. It's just that he cannot throw a baseball anymore. Yeah, it's it's actually job robbing. Um, yeah. And we <laughs> thought this going, I mean, honestly, you remember when they acquired him, we thought we had this whole, we had this, not to do the whole thing again, but like I thought he was pretty clearly an underrated defender at times. Not like he was great, but whatever happened with his shoulder, it's just gone. He cannot yeah. throw the baseball. So yeah. we'll see. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope you're right. I, I can't imagine ever willingly having him play the field unless you had to. But at the same time, they, they keep doing it with a bad hitter DHing. So I, I don't know the answer. I give up. Yeah. Um, Who knows? C. Maybe. Scott, I, I almost got through the podcast. Without this, doing is, uh, this is our brand. It's uh, it's fine. <laughs> Listen, and the thing is, I'm not picking on Arcia that much. I, I do think that my opinion about his hitting is well documented. He's not a good hitter. It's been the case for a long time. My issue is not even with Arcia. It's like I, I have less of a problem with him playing than I do him him DHing with Ozuna yeah. playing left field. That's actually the thing that makes me just incredulous. Is like, yeah. what are we doing? Uh, if and the one time and as evidence, the one time that they actually played Arcia in left field, I didn't say anything. Because that I don't love that idea anyway, but that's better than him DHing. Yeah, well, <laughs> in the, theory, the way the uh, outfield has gone the first eleven games too, right. like nothing's good. It, no, it's not. So we'll, well see. And, or I mean, by the way, just so before we move on, Eddie Rosario defensively Oof. has been a catastrophe Goodness. so far. Yeah. Uh, he ob- obviously is a playoff hero forever, and that cannot be taken away. Uh, his offense, we'll talk about in a second, but his defense. He had the two-error game on Thursday when they got blown out really badly in San Diego, and he just looked terrible. He's really looked bad defensively the entire season so far, and it's, uh, that's 11 games, so he, I think he's only played 10 games. They gave him the day off on Friday after that because he looked lost at the plate, lost in the field. I don't know what's yeah. going on with him. But that just to say, it's too early to worry about Rosario, but one of the concerns coming out of the playoff run was that Eddie Rosario has not always been the most consistent guy in the world. And he's not always been the healthiest guy in the world. He's healthy, I think right now, but uh, the combination of him hitting like, you know, sub 100 and also playing bad defense. uh, People are asking questions. I I don't blame that just because it's, it's for me, it's too early to worry, but it's just, you know, it's concerning. (laughs) He doesn't look good. 
No, he doesn't. Uh, some folks have pointed out historically he's been a bit of a slow starter. Um, I don't know Fair. if he's ever been this slow of a starter, but um, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a positive with Eddie, and to be clear, he has been very bad offensively, very bad defensively. Um, even had like a silly, he tried to slide into first base on yeah, Saturday what is, afternoon. What is he doing? Uh, and yeah. cost himself a hit. I mean, it didn't end up changing the game. Um, but you, you just have to hope that he's a veteran guy. He's been around. I don't think anyone expects him that he just like suddenly can't play baseball anymore. Um, but yeah, he's he's had a rough first couple of weeks. He's been unfortunate. Um, Alex Dickerson, who is hitting the ball pretty well, just has absolutely nothing to show for it. Yep. Um, that, that's been a challenge. I, there was a great stat. Um, Eddie Rosario and Alex Dickerson are two for 49 <laughs> to begin the season. Two for 49. Quite honestly, those two could go up there every at bat and just try to like bunt and beat out a hit, right? Versus, versus being worse than two for 49. Um, I, again, ultimately, as long as things progress the way we're hoping, Alex Dickerson is like never going to get into a game because of just the way the team is built with the DH. Um, you're not taking Duvall out basically ever. You're not taking Acuna out ever. You're not going to DH. You're not going to pinch it for Marcelo Zuna as the DH. No. Um, and, and Eddie Rosario was left-handed as is Dickerson. So I, I mean, I mean he may not even be on the team when Ronnie comes back. Dickerson. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, he was, he was signed to do a very specific thing, which he's been doing. And obviously he's not been playing super well. Like you said, his bad at ball profile is actually not that bad. He's he actually hit the ball a lot better than the numbers indicate, but for a guy on a one year, basically minimum deal yeah. his leash is not going to be very long even if he has good peripherals which he kind of does it's just it's been really bad so far they are taking walks if you want to give a little bit of credit to rosario dickerson um but man it's 249 yeah. 249 that's, that's he not is work. yeah dickerson's one and only job is to hit from the left side correct and guess what if <laughs> you're not, not hitting doing. if you're not hitting you don't have a job anymore so no, I, that'll go I, away very soon if unless he uh and listen, right now, if he, as long as he's on the team, he should, he should, I guess, DH, because they think he's better, worse than Nozuna on defense, which, again, wow. Uh, he should play against righties. As long as, he's on, as long as he's on the team and Ronnie is not, he should play. And if he is still this bad in two weeks, maybe you got to just cut bait. But uh, I'm still okay with them playing him. It's just that it's not been good. And Eddie, uh, I think, will be, better, will be better than this. But it is worth – remember this whole discussion we had um, during the playoff run because he made a couple of great plays in the outfield where we tried to kind of say gently that Eddie's not a good defender and people got really mad at us? Yeah. That, uh, I think we're right. <laughs> we will We will forever have his running catch into the wall against he made a play. Altuve. Yeah. Yes. Right. One of the most memorable catches of all time is made by a guy who is uh, struggling six months later to catch even like routine fly balls. And that's that's baseball – um, if it I is. had to bet, I mean, it, we're recording this on Easter Sunday, April 17th. I think Eddie Rosario is going to be fine. Agreed. Give it another couple weeks. He'll get in his groove. He had some nice at-bats against the Padres this weekend. He worked the count nicely. He smoked a line drive that was just right at someone. He looks better a, lately. Last couple yeah, days. It, it's been a theme for this lineup, especially the lower half. They just seem to find a glove and that's say hey, that's, that's baseball. Right. But um, I am. I'm not concerned about Eddie at this point. If we're still having this conversation in two or three weeks where he's like not hitting his weight and continuing to like misplay routine fly balls, then sure. Maybe it's time to, to think maybe you have to, to figure out something, give him a, 
you know, a fake 10 day injured stint or something like that. But ultimately I'm not concerned about him. And I do agree. I think you keep sending Dickerson out there just because you don't have a great other left-handed option at this point. Um, and you just hope that he's able to, to turn some of that hard contact uh, into results here soon. Yeah. And last thing on Eddie, before we move on the five previous seasons to this, including last year where he had a really bad start and then got hot late. He's basically been between a league average hitter and a, you know, pretty good hitter every season for five years. Like it'd be a, it would be a weird turn if he suddenly was just unplayably bad with the bat and the glove, I can't vouch for necessarily, but I think he's going to hit. So I'm not really worried about that at all. Uh, okay. To, to a more positive thing. And it's time to clear out for you here. Uh, Kyle Wright has been good in two starts. I'm going to give his numbers and then I'm going to let you cook uh, two starts, 11 innings, seven hits, one walk, 15 strikeouts, which is a heck of a number. And also he's not allowed a single ball to be barreled so far this season through two starts. He's throwing, he's got his, his stuff is just a lot different than it used to be. He's throwing his curveball more, his changeup more, uh, more sinkers, less four steamers, et cetera. And he's in the 91st percentile of major league baseball in expected ERA, which basically means that his peripherals are good. It's not like he's faking this is all I'll say. And, uh, I know it's kind of been a bit for us for a while, Scott, but uh, I'm generally wondering how excited you are. Have you been watching like every pitch with bated breath? Like where are we with, with Colorado right now? Yeah, he looks so good, man. Like you took the words out of my mouth. None of this seems other than the fact that it's only been two starts and we could say this before and after every single thing we do on this podcast tonight, but man, he looks good. Like the stuff he's throwing strikes, which I'm probably most happy about. Um, He's, as you noted, he, he's almost like a completely different pitcher. Like it's almost as if he, he used the entire 2021 season in Gwinnett. We talked about how beneficial it probably was for him to just spend being one place for an entire year, right? They kept jerking him back and forth for a couple of seasons and, and the organization admitted they probably moved him around too much as, as, you know, unable to develop when you, you just, you're in a different city seemingly every couple of weeks, you don't have a defined role, uh, but he looks so good. You noted his pitch, his mix of pitches is different. He used to be someone who just relied basically on, on fastballs and sliders only. And as we know, it's tough to get big leaguers out multiple times in a night, just with two pitches. Um, the curveball looks great. His changeup against the Padres, like they, they couldn't even touch it. Like the, he was freezing hitters. Uh, he had a, he has great whiff rates across the board. Uh, none of this seems fluky. And again, you just hope that he continues to have success. He's going to get a, a start against the Marlins with extended rest on Friday night, I believe. And uh, he's man, if, if Kyle, Wright, I mean, this is kind of captain obvious, but if Kyle Wright has taken that next step that we all have hoped for, for years, if you have a legitimate number four behind freed Morton and Anderson, uh, this team's chances to, repeat as division champs and to make a deep, deep run in October is just so much higher. If Kyle is, is a legitimate weapon moving forward. I was kind of waiting for you to talk about how, how he, he was going to be the number two starter or something like some, just some take that he was like better than Charlie Morton. Now would have been, would have been incredible. He, uh, I was ready, I was I'm just that. saying, Brad, he's, he's fourth in MLB in war. Oh God. Yes. Starts. I mean, 17th. two, I'm thinking, I'm thinking one, like one, one baby. I mean, he, <laughs> I, I will say this and uh, this is the, Nicest thing I can put. He has been better than Max Fried so far. <laughs> He's not better. He is not better than Max Fried, but he is. He has been better than Max Fried through two starts. 
So he's been better than everyone, which is, I mean, and it's, again, it's, it's a testament to the work that Kyle has put in. He had a really nice year last year. He's talked openly about just the mental challenges and struggles that he's had and credit to him. Like it's a really difficult game and he put his head down clearly has put in some work and now it looks like he might be on his way to a big time breakout year. Yeah. And obviously we're not going to get too carried away. Uh, There is a little bit of a bit here going with us with Scott and Kyle Wright, but uh, he has looked great. And the thing that I actually like and makes this makes me trust this more, not all the way because it's two, it's two starts is that he is, it is a totally different pitch mix. Like he's a different pitcher. And the stuff is the same, like in terms of like the arm, like he's always had a great arm. He was a top five pick in the draft for God's sake, but um, everything is different about the way he's approaching it. His mental stuff, like you just mentioned, um, the curveball to change up. Like this is, is a different guy. It's not the same guy. If, if it was uh, him just doing the same thing and suddenly it working better, I wouldn't buy it as much, but I, I do think that he just looks like a guy who is ready for a jump. So we'll see. We're not going to be too effusive because it's two starts, but uh, I'm excited. And I know you're excited, Scott. So yep. that's all. I think you can hear it from hearing our voices. Never in doubt. Looks like. All right. Never in doubt. I would, I would disagree Never. with that. Never. It was, no, it was I'm just, it was, I am joking. He had some, he had some bad starts. The last you you had, years. you had no doubt. I mean, you, you should just own it the entire way and just like you bet you never stopped believing. Look, I, don't think you, I don't think you did. As wrong as I was about Austin Riley last year, I would love to be that right about Kyle Wright. Get it? See what I did? That'd be there? good. I would be uh, excellent. Uh, listen, I've been, I've been wrong about Riley too. And uh, for some reason you get all the, you get all the blame because you went crazy that one time on the podcast <laughs> about Austin Riley right before he started going and being Mickey Mantle the rest of the season. So the that was fun. Maybe it'll happen to somebody else this year. Maybe it'll be Eddie Rosario who will like be back to his uh, Look, hero form after this podcast. If, if you and I need to be motivational speakers for these guys who are struggling and I'll take it. into borderline MVP and Cy Young candidates, like I'm, I'm happy to lend my services. I think you are too. Yeah. I was uh, joking and also not about the RC thing. Like, look, uh, he is after everything that I've said about him, he currently has a 95 WRC plus, and that would be Scott, his career best season. So hopefully this continues for us, for RC. Shots we need away. to we need to get him on the pod. Uh, yes, him and Daniel, him, might... him and Daniel Castro can come on together. Um, okay, moving on from there. Obviously, we talked about the results. They won Friday. They won Saturday. Ozzy hit a home run in three straight games, uh, which is obviously fun to see. Uh, Ian Anderson was much better on Saturday, which is a positive. I thought he looked kind of rough his first start, but he was uh, pretty good, like his normal self. On Saturday, there was a home run robbery that was a. Uh, the Braves didn't lose this game, so it didn't matter. But there was a sequence on Saturday. Manny Pena hit a, hit a ball that had a 930 expected batting average. It should have been a home run by all accounts. It was robbed. And then not five minutes later, Jerkson Profar hit, hit a pop-up basically that went over the wall uh, for the, for the Padres. And it was like, Oh, one of those days kind of thing. And they won the game. So who cares? But uh, that was just a funny one uh, before Olsen and Ozuna went, went back to back in the fifth. It's a, it's a good five minute summary of the Braves this season so far. Like, yeah, not- they, I mean, I, 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 I almost wish they had lost the game because it would have been easier to kind of spin it that way, but they won yeah. the game. So there you go. <laughs> and then baseball being what baseball is, you mentioned uh, Pena had a nine thirty expected batting average should have been a two run homer. But then what's he do his next time up is he just kind of doinks one right where the second baseman is normally standing against the shift and what happens, but he plates a run. I think there was two outs and it was a big hit. Like, tell me that's not baseball one-on-one in a nutshell. You should have had a homer that was robbed. You give up a a fly ball for a home run a few minutes later. And then next time Manny comes up, he gets an RBI single, just, just throwing the ball out there. Right. Couldn't have rolled it better if he tried. Um, Yeah. It's, it's been a, uh, it's been that kind of week and a half so far. It has. Um, we'll start landing the plane here. Uh, 
obviously they lost tonight on Sunday. The one run they scored was in Marcelo Zuna home run. I want to ask you about Marcelo because, you know, a lot of discussion about Zuna has been about the off-field stuff and we're not going to do this every podcast, I promise, but uh, the player only, uh, which matters. We have to watch baseball and he, talk about it, all that stuff. He's slugging almost 700 at this point and looks kind of like his old self um, at the plate. And, you know, for everything else, the team is better if he's going to hit like he's been hitting um, the peripheral stuff. Like he's not like doing a ton else, but the power is legitimate. We saw him almost have a triple crown kind of season in 2020 in a, in a small sample size. He's not going to be that good, but uh, it's worth noting that short of Matt Olson, who's been out of his mind so far, Ozuna is, looks pretty darn good. And that does help things, particularly when you factor in, like once they get in the lineup with, with Acuna, Olson, Ozuna, Albies Riley as your top five. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah, <laughs> that's absurd. Well, and, and then you mix in Darno, who's been okay, and Tra- and uh, Duvall, who's been hitting a little bit too, especially over the weekend. Yeah, I, we talked about coming into the year, Marcelo Zuna being back to his old career self after a, a poor start to 2021. Like, that's huge. This guy was a really good hitter for years. There's a reason he got a four year contract for, I think, $64 million. Like, he can mash, and uh, he is just hitting the snot out of baseballs these first couple of games here. Um, if Marcel is hitting, again, this is kind of Captain Obvious, but if Marcel is hitting, especially once Acuna comes back, you talk about Acuna, Olsen, and Riley ahead of him. Um, he's going to have a ton of opportunities to drive in runs, and as long as he's hitting like this, uh, he's it's just, I mean, man, this lineup is so talented and so deep, and you just hope he's able to sustain it over over a full year. Yeah, and I still don't know where his baseline is. Last year, I don't really factor too much. He was not very good before he got injured and then obviously had the off-field incident. Um, but in the previous seasons, you know, 2020, he was out of his mind. But even before that, and we kind of noticed that, that was going to be unsustainable, but he did have four straight years before that where he had good power numbers. He was more of a like just above average hitter rather than an elite hitter for most of that time. And I think that that's probably what he is. I think uh, the power is going to be real. I think he probably hits, if he's a full-time player for a full season, he probably hits 30 home runs and he probably, you know, his batting average probably like in the, you know, mid to high two hundreds. And then, you know, he slugs 500, something like that. He's going to be a good hitter. I don't think he's going to be the guy who was in 2020, but uh, he's mashing and that definitely helps. The other guy I mentioned, I mentioned a second ago is Matt Olson has been, I mean, anything you could possibly ask for uh, his OPS is like over 1200. Right now, he has more walks than strikeouts for the season. If the season ended today, you could say he's probably the MVP of the National League. Obviously, it's two weeks, so who cares? But he has been that good so far um, and like looks like every bit of the guy that we thought he was probably going to be. I made the joke. We're talking about it in Slack tonight during the game. Um, myself, Chris Willis, and others. Uh, Olsen seemed to bat in, in the sun every plate appearance tonight, which is just hilarious. Uh, and I made the joke about him, about him being the chosen one here on Easter, but uh, he really is like, obviously the Parker, Parker High School zone, I should say that in every podcast, but make sure I have to not forget that is that he went to high school, but he really, I, I don't want to be crazy, but could he look any better than he looks? He looks unbelievable. Yeah, he is just such a complete hitter. Like you almost see, I mean, obviously Freddie Freeman is the natural comparison because they, we talked about, Why? they have... <laughs> they have a pretty similar profile. Like we, we talked about that when the trade happened. Like if you had to compare Matt Olson to anyone, it's similar to, to Freddie. And I mean, when I watch him, I see 
some Chipper Jones to Matt Olson as well. Um, his ability to both hit one 450 feet, but also he just like, he never swings at pitches out of the zone. Like I, I should have looked this up before, but he, he doesn't go chasing. You noted he has more walks than strikeouts. Um, and you know, it's not because he's not walking because he has some scrub hitting behind him. Like he has Austin Riley and Marcelo Zuna hitting behind him. I promise you teams are not pitching around him to no. put him on base ahead of those two guys. Like he, he is as advertised. He made a big, big step forward offensively in 2021. And again, not to beat the dead horse of it's only two weeks, but he is, he has looked as good as he can possibly look. And as, as the weather warms up, you would think the power is only going to continue. Uh, he, he has an opposite field Homer, and then he has a Homer to center. Uh, once he kind of gets his timing down and starts pulling balls a little bit more, uh, he is going to do some damage to the chop house and right field. And I, I think uh, if there was any doubt about whether or not, at least from an on-field production standpoint, if the Braves made the right decision, uh, I, I think it's hard pressed to find any argument other than, wow, that they landed a really talented first baseman. Yeah, if you want to pile on Matt Olson, he is very slow. He cannot he cannot run very fast. That's the one thing that you could say about Matt Olson is that he's not a not, not a speedster on the base pass. He is but, uh, unhook my my old high school coach. I'm I'm slow. My old high school to- <laughs> coach used to yell at me to unhook unhook the trailer. Uh, Matt needs to unhook the trailer and the fifty pound weighted vest, and I don't even know what else because he is unbelievably slow. He is so slow. It's very funny, uh, especially because he isn't. He doesn't look like he'd be that slow. You know what I mean? Like, he's not like he's like a 275 pound guy. He's not that old. Like, when I pictured slow in baseball, I pictured Albert Pujols, Albert Pujols in his current in his current form. He's not that slow, probably. But, uh, man, he does not look like he'd be as slow as he is. And he is. He's very slow. Anyway. And, uh, yeah, when Travis Darnot, a 33-year-old catcher, is making fun of you for being slow, you uh... – <laughs> Are not fleet, are not fleet of foot. He is, say. yeah. He's going to have a Sid Bream moment in the playoffs one of these years. Oh, that'd be incredible. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's a positive thing. We'll end on a, a little bit of a negative here before we look ahead to the week at, at hand. We kind of danced around this earlier with Rosario and Dickerson, but this is a stat pulled by our friend and pal at Battery Power, Stephen Tolbert. Uh, spots five through nine in the batting order for the season, no matter who's been there, have a combined two seventy OBP, not batting average. OBP this season with only one home run. So basically the bottom of the order has been, uh, let's just say bad to make it as easy as possible. Uh, that includes Rosario and Dickerson, of course, but it also includes Dansby Swanson, who has a 43% strikeout rate and an OPS below 500. He is going through one of those stretches where he's, where he's just terrible uh, as he does sometimes. And it's been very hard to watch. Uh, that also includes Arcia. That also includes uh, Pina. I'm trying to think of guys who, who have been down there a little, a little bit at, at times, but basically everyone outside of the top guys has uh, contributed to this on some level and it's going to not be this bad, but if you're looking for a reason why the Braves not, have not been particularly awesome on offense so far, it's that basically. Yeah. Right. If, if the top four in the lineup aren't sustaining the lineup, they're not scoring. I mean, that that's basically what it's come down to. Um, and I think quite obviously, if, if you top load the lineup, as the Braves have done. And I really like Matt Olson in that two spot. I like Riley third. I like Ozuna fourth. We've, we've discussed it ad nauseum. The leadoff hitter leads off the game one time. And after that, he is the guy who gets the most at bats and nothing else. I like top loading this lineup and especially with Acuna. But the problem is offensively, your best hitters are coming up with nobody on base. 
Like Matt Olson has crazy offensive numbers. He has two RBI this year himself twice with home runs, solo shots. I think 12 of the 13 homers the Braves have hit this season are solo. And the issue is, is, is nothing with the top of the order, but it's the bottom half. And if those guys aren't getting on base, you just said the 270 OBP, as good as guys like Ozuna and Olsen and Riley and Albies are hitting, if they aren't having opportunities to then hit in runs, quite obviously uh, the offense is not going to be great. And you just have to hope at some point these guys wake up and get going a little bit. Uh, did you see the stat? I'm sure you did if you caught the game on Sunday night that ESPN had on Dansby Swanson. Um, I'm sure I he did. Is, I watched the whole thing. They kept overlaying it. He's like the first player since oh. like 19 whatever yeah. that to strike out to have 10 strikeouts or more in his in the first week of the season three years in a row. Like it was the most specific stat yeah I've it was a weird heard. that that's what that's why i was trying to think of what it was because it was it was so like eye-rolling that i was like okay that's a bizarre like, how stat. did you yeah how did you figure that one out like, listen they have a uh, a very extensive uh research department uh stats info is actually kind of incredible and i wish i worked there on some level but um yeah that, that was a weird one it was very uh arbitrary in some ways uh and that's not to say he's obviously been terrible so far so no one's saying otherwise but uh yeah that was a weird one i remember that remember that now that you've said it and it was yeah. uh, very strange but um yeah to wrap up the point that i was trying to make again you have these really good hitters at the top but if nobody is on base for them they're you know it, it's basically coming down to if four guys can create all the offense because as you just noted five through nine has basically been a black hole yeah and i, I don't think that it's going to continued to be this bad i mean there's a reason i mean if it was going to be this bad on paper we would have brought it up before this in terms of like the offseason stuff like that like dansby it's the same old story like we've all know what he is and isn't at this point like he when he's good he's good and when he's bad he's bad and it's very clear um adam duvall has been fine he's been uh, i think yeah he actually has a 105 wc plus he's been totally fine Arcia, as much as I make fun of him, has been fine when he's played. He's almost a league average hitter so far in uh, four games that he's appeared in. But Darno's just been like kind of low average so far. Pena's been bad. Heredia in very limited times has been bad. Um, Dansby, Dickerson, Rosario have all been terrible. So like, if you those are those are all the guys that have basically been in the spots, and only Duvall has been league average or better. That there it is. It, it's that simple. Like they won't all they won't all they won't all be this bad. I don't think that. Uh, in fact, I, I'm very confident that Darno and Pena will be better than this as a whole throughout the season. Um, I'm very confident that even if you are not a Dansby guy, and by the way, I've noticed this. I don't know if you have. There have been. I think it's a. It's, it's sort of turning on Dansby a little bit. The uh, the feeling in the fan base has kind of gone against him a bit. Yeah. Um, but he's better than this. Very obviously, Rosario is better than this. Like, it'd be different if I was seeing these guys and being like, all right, these guys are actually this bad, but they're they're not. None of no. these guys are this bad. So. They'll get going. And they speaking will. of, I want to get this stat in because I just saw it. Kind of funny, kind of modern day baseball. Uh, but ESPN also has, this is the second time since 1901, which was sure. 121 years ago, right? Did I math right? Yep. 121 years ago that the Braves have zero stolen bases through their <laughs> first 11 games of a season dating back to 1934 was the last time this happened. So well, no, they have, they have exactly one guy on the roster that can run right now. It's Ozzie yeah, Ozzie, so. right. And uh, as as basically Ozzy's been home run or bust the first week and a half. So um, 
yeah. Anyway, interesting stat. I mean, nobody steals bases anymore, which is, I no. don't know. You, you probably have some purists who don't love it. I ultimately don't care. I think the risk probably outweighs the reward unless it's some like close scenario in the eighth or ninth inning where you mm. absolutely have to score a run. But even, even Dansby who like we point out all the time is like very fast. Dansby's career high stolen bases. Do you, you have a guess for his career high stolen bases for a season? Um, 10. 10 exactly is the number. Oh, what do I win? And Dansby Swanson is like, by all accounts, I don't, I'm not sure he's an elite runner, but he's certainly a very, very yeah. fast runner. Yeah, he's a great his athlete. Career high is 10 solo bases. Like nobody runs. Uh, Ozzy, Ozzy's the only guy, because especially, you know, this year, obviously Ronald is the guy who we all have seen still so bases, but they're not going to have him running. I mean, I can't imagine he's going to run a lot when he comes back. Maybe he will. Maybe I'm crazy. No, I, I but, don't uh, want that's one area where I am. I don't perfectly want him to run fine. Nope. Yeah. So I think that's not gonna change. That's not gonna change. That's pretty crazy that, that, that they have zero. But if you look at the roster, there's not a lot of speed on this team in terms of base pass. It's basically Ozzy and maybe if Heredia played more, he could run. But that's kind of it. So, okay. Uh, all that out of the way, we've probably rambled too much. We talked about the Dodger series coming up, but that, that begins on Monday nights. Uh, it is Scott Coleman time. A pair of 10-10 Eastern time starts on Monday and Tuesday. That is certainly right in your wheelhouse, my friend. Um, and by the way, of course, they're facing the Dodgers. Not only uh, it doesn't get any more difficult than a road series against the Dodgers, who are the best team in baseball on paper. They also are facing their old friend, Freddie Freeman. So there'll be some stories written about that, I'm pretty sure, in the next couple of days. Uh, and then right out of the gate, Monday is Enoa against Clayton Kershaw. Yikes. Uh, not, not overly confident, but of course, because it's baseball, the Braves will win Monday night and then lose Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, that is how that works. Um, I'm going to give you the uh, the current betting odds for Monday. The Braves are like, the Dodgers are minus 190 or so right now. So not a huge spread, but certainly uh, their favorite to win behind, behind Kershaw against Genoa. And then it's Freed and Bueller, and obviously that's an awesome matchup on Tuesday. And then Morton and Tony Gonsolin on Wednesday. And then finally, after 15 consecutive games, they have an off day on Thursday before they uh, come back and play Miami over the weekend. Uh, clearly, anything but a sweep is okay in LA. You don't want to you don't want to get swept, but even if you lose that series one two one, not the end of the world. Um, if you steal it, if you steal it, that's even better, of course. But uh, I think you know, hopefully, you go two and one, and maybe try to sweep the Marlins. Whatever happens this week, but uh, interesting for sure to go from. Dodgers on the road to Marlins at home with a day in between. <laughs> yeah. Pretty short contrast. Yeah. I'm, uh, I am looking forward to this. I am sure the players are looking forward to it as well. Of course, this is a rematch last couple of NLCS series. Uh, you have Freddie's return, or I guess the reunion with Freddie. You also have Kenley Jansen's return to Los Angeles, which will be no small feat for him and, and their fans. Yep. Um, so it, it should be a really fun series. And I'm hoping um, maybe it helps get some of the guys who are struggling a bit going, right? You're going to have big crowds in LA. It's going to be an intense atmosphere. Um, you know, maybe it helps get a few guys, the juices going again. You talk about the world series hangover or whatever. Um, it should be a really fun series. It'll be great to see Freddie. Uh, and then I'm sure for Kenley too, he'll, he'll enjoy going back and seeing everyone, but about as, uh, intriguing of a series as you get in the third week of April, uh, as you get in baseball with the Braves and the Dodgers. Yeah, and I know there'll be some folks in Braves country that are not going to be able to stay, stay up and watch those games. I don't really blame you necessarily. It's just the nature of the beast. 
Um, if you are not a late person, they do play at 310 on Wednesday. It's a getaway day game. It's a noon, noon-ish start on the West Coast. So if you want to watch some baseball and you can't stay up late, that will be the one to uh, target on Wednesday afternoon into the early evening, in, uh, at least on the East Coast. Uh, and again, I mentioned, I think I think you have the recaps because this is just what you do late, late at night on Monday and oh, Tuesday. Yeah. So you're late night with Scott. Yep. Uh, I'll probably be with you for most of those, most of those nights because I'm a sicko as well. Um, Scott, anything else you want to add? Please feel free. Uh, if not, we should get out of here. But uh, please plug anything that you, everything you have going on because you're always busy and things are happening. Yeah, always good to do one of these with you, Brad. Great to have baseball back. I'm sure everyone feels the same way. But again, I, I maintain the best part of baseball is you're never, you're usually never more than 24 hours removed from your next game. And just having it every single night is great. Should have a really good club here, hopefully over the next week even next couple of weeks, even the Braves kind of get, get in their groove. They, they've shown flashes of being the team that was just so good last year, especially late. And they've had a couple of stinkers along the way. So let's hope for some wins this week. It should be a lot of fun in LA. And then uh, the Marlins, despite uh, their lack of competitiveness, there always seems to be like fireworks with the Marlins. Uh, maybe not as much this time around because there's no Acuna, but nonetheless, uh, a busy week ahead and and uh, hope everyone out there is doing well. Had a nice holiday weekend and uh, thanks again for uh, supporting the podcast. Yes, I totally echo that. I would also, uh, one more time on this show, encourage you to subscribe to our podcast network. You get this podcast that is usually at least two of myself, Scott and Eric Cole, uh, usually about once a week and then emergency podcast beyond that and then playoffs will ramp it up a little bit with the three of us. Also, you get the Daily Hammer, which is a five, six uh, time per week podcast inside this network hosted by Sean Coleman, who does a great job with the game breakdowns, quick news, and then Road to Atlanta with Eric and Garrett and friends talking about minor league side. I'm always saying this, but I'll say it one more time now. Our minor league coverage is second to none on the Braves. Those guys are uh, legitimately experts at this stuff, so please listen to them and read the coverage as well. Chris Wilson Company. Chris has been uh, has a full season credential, so he's actually in the building at home games. We're getting all the on the ground stuff there with some audio coming and all that stuff. We are a full fledged operation here at Battery Power, so please subscribe, check out the written content. Please follow Scott on Twitter, follow me on Twitter if you'd like to for NBA takes mostly, and uh, also follow the show at Battery Power SBN. See you all next time. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. 
You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.